this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Today on Silicon Valley, Richard is hospitalized, Teslas are destroyed, and Ehrlich Bachman's ashes are savagely kicked. Plus, we have a brand new special segment, so stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Okay. Turn that up, Jules. All right. Now turn it down, Jules. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to Silicon Valley After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. I was gone last week, but my amazing panel mates held it down. But guys, it's so good to be back. We're glad that you're back. It's good to see my friends. Wait, you weren't here last week? I, you know what? I made an appearance, though, right? That's true. That's true. You weren't here. You know what, though? I did go back and watch the video, and there was no sound during my interviews on our stream. So That's why we have a different engineer this week. <laughs> he was fired. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, welcome to Silicon Valley After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. My name's Jeff. Of course, we're here every Monday at 4 p.m. talking about our favorite show on HBO. And I'm surrounded by some brilliant panelists. Phil, let's start with you. Say hi to the fans. Hello, everybody. We've got Christian Blatt. What up? And we've got Nate Miller. You stole my thing. I say what up. Do you really say what up? Yeah, oh. I say it on my other show. Oh, I watch your other show. Not what up. <laughs> Not what down? There it is. What down? What oh, down? He steals them all. It's all the good ones. <laughs> He's just fast. Christian is very fast. Um, guys, again, my name is Jeff. Thanks for being here. So before we get into specifics of today's coverage, we're covering Season 5, Episode 2, Reorientation. I would like to hear what each of y'all thought of the episode overall. Nate, let's start with you. Uh, overall, briefly, I liked it. It was nice to see a likable moment from Richard, <laughs> and I thought this, both of the subplots were entertaining. Agreed? Christian? Yeah, I liked it as well. I feel, to what Nate's saying, the fact that it didn't all fall apart in the end where it looked like it was heading that way. It's like, oh, they're all leaving. And then, you know, you figure the way that this show goes that none of them, or maybe one, would come back in. So uh, it was nice to see. And I really enjoyed the uh, Gavin B story in this episode. Yes. Phil? Overall, there's a lot of good stuff there. I enjoyed it. And I appreciate how the ultimate joke of Richard was set up verbally first Mm -hmm. and then visually second (laughs) yeah i agree i think it's so rare that that stuff works where you like show show and tell where you actually literally verbalize what happened but it was set up in such a brilliant way i agree with you phil yeah i thought this was a good episode as well i think like we're figuring out how to still push these characters forward while still making the show funny whereas sometimes i feel like the show 
those can be mutually exclusive with this show sometimes, and I feel like this episode really made the two happen at the same time. So I'm excited about this season. I've been a little worried about the lack of T.J. Miller, but I think so far the show's doing pretty well. We can have the conversation later as to whether or not his absence is really affecting the show, but before we do that, guys, I want to let you know we have an amazing show ahead. Those were our overall thoughts, but of course we also have some amazing new segments. We're trying out a new segment this week called Real Life Silicon Valley, where we're looking for examples of seeming satire in the world of tech and we've got some news so let's uh let's get into some of that right now but before we get into our news we're gonna talk about the actual show i was like wait news i think i'm like getting the dust off you guys i missed last you week, need to be reoriented i need to you? be reoriented but there we go i know you jeff said it was a waste of time but i said to him it is not I th- I think we should actually do safe space charades before <laughs> next week's show. That's just my personal. It was opinion. a Jared A plus episode. Always. <laughs> I mean, like I will say, the one thing I can just always rely on with this show is Jared is being funny. Like I feel like I've, that has not let me down since season since season one. So um, I think for me, the way I want to organize our coverage today is first talk about Richard kind of becoming a leader. Then, of course, we had the Tesla versus electric bike subplot <laughs> and the Gavin and his signature subplot. And, of course, our friend Jian Yang. But let's go ahead and start with Richard's plot, because this was really kind of the A story that drove the episode. How did you guys feel like this episode kind of handled Richard coming into his own as a manager? Uh, it was great. This this is my that was my favorite part about the episode. Uh, we touched a little bit on it last week of how kind of unlikable Richard has become in the past between the end of last season and just the way the episode started. Mm-hmm. So it was really nice to see him uh, to actually see some change in his character, but also to see it, like some the progress and the resolution in the end come from something that originally made him special in the first place. Instead of trying to shoehorn him into being a Gavin Belson or being this thing that he's not. He ends up figuring, or not, I mean, kind of accidentally falling into it, of just going back to what, the reason why people followed him, the reason why he got big at all in the first place, is that he is a great coder. Right. Um, That being said, that intro scene, him describing that, the way (laughs) that all went down, and just... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The way... Guilfoyle and Dinesh have this incredible chemistry that, like... They they trade off between who's going to be the straight man and who's going to make the jokes, but just the way that they react to Richard, it it really reads like people who have like known someone for years, like a like so like ridiculous situations, and they obviously react to him, but not in like complete disbelief because it's like no, we kind of knew <laughs> where you were headed with that. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, what did you guys think? Well, I think to your point about Richard, the only way that he could ever become a leader was uh, begrudgingly uh, and accidentally. Mm-hmm. You know, he d- he just gave up and was not planning on becoming a leader. And so then, of course, it's like, oh, people are going to rally around him because he did do what he does best. And, you know, Nate's right. Last week, we really focused on how he is so unlikable. And it's like, he doesn't need to be likable. Just show them that you're so good at your job. And I think that it was good to kind of see them get back to that reset. At least it's early enough in the season, too. So I feel like we can really, you know, go forward on this new internet after this episode. Yeah. Any thoughts, Phil? Yeah, it's interesting that that's the route they chose 
um, simply because, I mean, you know, we've seen him sort of not be the best leader, but we've seen him lead a team, even if it's just, remember, they had the coders from across the world and they mm-hmm. had the Skype session or whatever it was. And so I, I feel like that could have been a ploy. I mean, it's just, it's interesting to me that he doesn't see the value in this. You know, right. he refuses to admit because tabs versus spaces. We got to establish that from day <laughs> one. God forbid slice line uses spaces. Right. So, but but I appreciate it and I thought it was funny enough uh, throughout the whole episode. And yeah, A, a plus for, for Jared all the way around. And just my favorite line of his was the fecal matter. If only these dogs had their <laughs> fecal matter... Uh, as contained as you. I like when he was commenting on Richard's expression when he's coding and how hard it is to get him to respond. He's like, you know, like when I tell him I love him. Yeah. That was my personal the dead, favorite the, That there. dead look in his eyes. Yeah. That yeah, was an that's amazing what it was, yeah. I have a question, Phil. You mentioned sort of the tabs versus spaces. And of course, we're going to talk about how pettiness was sort of the through line of this episode, I think. But... They mentioned nanoseconds versus milliseconds. As someone, you guys have more like coding experience than I do. Is that kind of an equivalent to ta- to uh, tabs versus spaces, where it's sort of a unimportant but minutia detail? I mean, you just got to have a metric that is standard. So ultimately, you know, inches versus centimeters and so forth. You got to have the team be on the same page. If mm-hmm. they're not, then it all goes to shit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, Christian, I thought it was smart that you mentioned that it seemed like Richard kind of accidentally stumbled into this role. I feel like whenever we see success from the guys, which is rarer than on other shows because Silicon Valley's engine is kind of them failing, it's usually accidentally. So I thought like this was a great example of, I think, how the engine of Silicon Valley works, where the guys are best when they're really doing their job. Right, because he try- he tries to, to cave in it cave essentially and go all right i'll just make this speech and like and what he thinks is going to be somewhat inspiring and effective and it it just ends up effectively doing the opposite making everybody leave Mm -hmm. um it was it was interesting to see that he him trying to conform to what he thought had to do didn't work and he just went well f it i'm just gonna do what i know how to do right yeah I, I love the uh, his interaction with the different like leaders of the uh-huh. slice line group and the optimoji group and like trying to play them with the coffee and then adhere to the dog thing and but the way that they interacted the the I think his name was Danny the optimoji guy yeah, oh my right, god yeah. I got that that guy was hilarious <laughs> and he's like all right so you're gonna tell them you know about the change he's like yeah yeah unless you want to make the announcement <laughs> <laughs> it was just so good they cast that really well that's like a very exciting part for an up and coming comic actor and yeah. I do. Like like that about Silicon Valley where they have these great guest roles and they bring them back. I mean, we're going to get into it, but we had... I'm hoping we see the two of them stick around. Yeah, I think we might. I mean, like, we had Dong or Dang back, who is the graphic designer. And whoa, whoa, you're getting ahead of yourself. I know, but I'm just saying Silicon Valley does such a great job of sort of honoring the typically bit parts that usually happen in sitcoms, and I thought both of these team leaders were really good. The one thing I liked especially about this was I think it did a really good job of kind of satirizing, like, millennial approach to work, sort of how people my age view right. employment. Oh, I have to have the right coffee. Yeah. Oh, can my dog come in? Is exactly. it a safe place? Yeah. I also love the the subtle jabs at dog people too. Yeah. <laughs> Do, are you going to, what about for the dogs? They're, they're, they're people too. They're, they're literally, literally not. not people. <laughs> it, was so, it was so good. I have to, I, you know, if there's one gripe I have, it's, I am, I, I thought Richard's speech was actually inspiring enough, mm-hmm. and it's just, it, it's a matter of like if you don't want to do the job, then yeah, do get the hell out. 
Like, what are you in this for then? Right, the coffee, the, the paycheck. But no, I the think coffee. I think at that point it was there was still so much wrapped around the acquisition of the employees and his first speaking to them, and then the second failed orientation, and like just an a overall lack of respect for him. And then also like if you look at the way that he interacts with the employees between the two companies in the episode, by the time he makes that speech, like it's too late. He should have made that poignant like clear concise speech the first time but he waited so long and i don't think at that point anybody there was no reason to listen to what he said it didn't have any credibility yeah i think think if he does that on day one which is at the end of the previous episode when they all see him throw up if he had done that then when they're all first there they're like all right this guy's a little rough around the red the edges but i get it but yeah he was already pretty deep in the hole at that point yeah he hadn't established himself as the alpha and when you don't do that, you lose the betas. <laughs> That's right? yeah. Jared would tell right? you. Is that what they say? Yes, <laughs> the leader of the pack. Um, well, yeah, I just thought this was really fun. And I did think they kind of nailed, like, I think those specific quirks of millennial employment where it's like these demanding, like, Phil, you manage many millennials, me included. And you were laughing about how you think sometimes the specific needs of employees can be something. I think the show really nailed that. I said, yeah. Yeah, they could have they, they gone further. It's a PC with it, answer. But, uh, there's just a lot of things, and there's there's often times I'll give you a little preview. I won't say who, but sometimes it's like, well, Phil, I don't think you're seeing my side. I'm, like, I'm literally not supposed to give a crap about your side. I mean, I don't I'm, know about that, but no, I, I yeah, I think they. I mean, that's the honest answer. I'm not. What the? You're either. It's like in sports. If the referee's right. Well, he's right. If he's yeah. wrong, he's still right. Right. Anyway, um, I did. What I wanted to ask you guys: What did you guys think about the doctor scene? I appreciate it, but I felt it was a little bit, out of, a little long. Not not out of the blue, but just a little long. You know, I get it when you talk about the bit parts. He's, right. He's been a character since day one. I do love that character, the doctor. Too. But I know what you mean. He works really well when it's at the beginning of the episode. Usually, that's when we see him. In the beginning, you know, Richard's going to the doctor for some reason. That moment when obviously you you know it's it's late in the episode, and this is one of those things where the coming attractions or whatever the preview last week ruined this because not only does he say the you know you've been in a coma for four years, just kidding. Well, why did we get all that? Yeah. You know, that would have been so. This week I didn't watch the uh, preview. Not because I was running really late, but also because I didn't want to have a run. <laughs> I, so uh, I thought it, it was a little long. Uh, I thought what's much funnier is when he, uh, when he says the thing about, you know, we, you lost a lot of blood. Let's hope they put the right kind back in you. And he's like, you're still riffing. And he's just like, <laughs> he just doesn't know at this point. So I, that's what actually got me to laugh. Um, but I, I, to, the, to the direct answer to your question, it was a little long. And I, I realized I don't like it late in the episode. It definitely took yeah. us away from the story. My first viewing, I, I wasn't. I didn't think it was that funny, but for some reason, the second time I watched it, every joke and beat like landed great for me. So it was a little long, but it's just so good. The digs at Richard's face and his nose and stuff. Was, <laughs> That's true. Just... That was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> my only gripe with this doctor is that my favorite show of all time is Thirty Rock, and I feel like Chris Parnell's Spachemin, Doctor Spaceman, Doctor yes. Spaceman is like my favorite version of this kind of trope, but. Silicon Valley does it well. It is funny, though. I thought this scene was a little long, and I couldn't help but think I would have loved to have seen an attempted orientation from Jared. Like, I really would have felt gratified as a viewer if we had gotten, like, 30 or 45 seconds of that. Um, Maybe instead of some of the, I think, extra fat we got with that scene. I feel like he would give a great orientation, though. Which would be, to me, maybe even funnier. 
to right. see him like in that mode, just kicking like, ass, o- but over overdoing it, overdoing <laughs> it. But maybe in the future, we'll see. Um, so speaking of the future, this Friday, guys, our favorite podcast is dropping. Of course, that's Conversations with Maria Menounos, brought to us by our brilliant founder Maria and Phil. I'd like you to tell us more about it. Well, if you want to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of life, then this is the podcast for you. Conversations with Manunos Maria. Sorry, (laughs) this is not the Chinese way. So Conversations with Maria Manunos, the podcast edition, is hosted by our AfterBuzz founder, and it drops, as Jeff mentioned, every Friday on iTunes. It features celebrity and influencer interviews along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects of life. From health and wellness to career, relationships, finance, and more, let Maria be the big sister that you've never had. Certainly, Richard can use this. Uh, And, of course, be sure to rate and comment. And when you do, let Maria know it was us who sent you. And, by the way, I mean that. There's a lot of AfterBuzz fans who have been hitting those comments and have been like, hey, this show sent me here. I won't even name the shows. And you know what? I love all those shows, but F them. Yeah, yeah, I want the credit. This show. I want the goddamn credit. Everyone knows we're the best after show on this network. We want so the gold star. We want the gold star. I would think of Maria as sort of our very own Monica, right? She's like, I think in the same way that Monica is just this hardworking go-getter. Or if you prefer Lori. Or Lori. Lori. I, see, I saw Kevin as more Mark of a Lori. Yeah. 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 Kevin's more Because he would give birth and be at work the same day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I don't know how Maria would feel being compared to Lori Bream on the show, but <laughs> let us know what you think in the comments, guys. Um, if Maria's way. watching, let us know. Listen, <laughs> yeah. Maria had a tumor. Was, uh, she wasn't right back to work. That's true. But, you know, she was pretty much back up and kicking again and, and whatnot. So I could see Maria having a baby and then four hours later being back at work. I could see it, too. It's the Greek in her. Well, either way, guys, <laughs> it really is a wonderful podcast. Sometimes after buzzers make appearances on the show. So definitely worth checking out. That's dropping every Friday. Conversations with Maria Menounos. Check it out. Speaking of, let's move on to our next topic. I would love to talk about this Tesla versus this electric bike, oh, yes. which is a classic Guilfoyle and Dinesh subplot. Christian, you jumped right in. What did you think it is? Well, you know, it's funny because when Nate was talking about sort of how great they are together, I think we're going to be able to get through TJ Miller not being on the show. If either one of them, if there were a next season and either one of them weren't on it, it w- I, I just would have a lot of trouble, I yeah. think, because they're so good together. Yep. Yeah. And this is perfect. And I love how it all comes down to, well, is, is you know, winning over Guilfoyle, you know, winning, is that more important than money? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and of course it is. Everything about that character. If he had backed down, it was like, that's not Dinesh. And the fact that, of course, he totals the car because he's so determined. Uh, everything about this story, uh, you know, it didn't feel familiar at all because, you know, they've had so many different little back and forths. This was new ground, but it was very familiar and it was perfect. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Uh, this was probably got some of the bigger laughs out of me as I watched it. I agree. I like how you mentioned that Dinesh was almost resigned to the fact that he knew he would pay the money. Yeah. Like it was like this realization of like, would I really do that? Yeah, of course I would do that. <laughs> it's like he knows good, as good much talk, as, Junior. Exactly. It's like he knows as much as we know that like that's just the peak <laughs> of pettiness. The one thing I thought was really interesting was all of this Tesla stuff was real. A frunk insane mode. Oh yeah. I I didn't see I didn't know, didn't know insane, mode insane mode was mode? real. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. knew the frunk. Yeah. And I thought that led to a, a good joke by uh, Gilfoyle that it was all frunked up, yeah. which I, I really appreciated. <laughs> what happened to your frunk? Yeah. Um, I didn't know that insane mode was a thing. Well, that yeah. was, I was so kind of like, mode. I was sort of like, yeah, that's like a funny joke, but yeah. I'm surprised they didn't go for something a little 
deeper or something. Then I looked it up, and all the Tesla references were legit. So one of those elements where satire kind of does feel like the real world. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought this was this was just like classic Dinesh Gilfoyle. And you know what I think they nailed was the amount of time we spent with them. Right, it wasn't too much. Yeah. Like, I think, like, this was a prototypical, well-balanced episode of Silicon Valley where all the plots felt like they were given the time they should. Any other thoughts on Dinesh and Guilfoyle this episode? Yeah, it was, just like you said, it was a classic competition between them, but I really enjoyed, you know, kind of as we've seen the show progress, now we're seeing it on a larger scale, Mm -hmm. you know, because this is a... You know, this is a rich guy's competition, basically. He's buying this Tesla. We never would have seen Dinesh have a Tesla before. And then the idea that he's going to spend, drop the 17 grand, even though it's a lot of money, but he has the money to spend it in order to get back at Guilfoyle and try to win this competition was great. And then also, of course, seeing Guilfoyle's, like, rusted, (laughs) thrown-together electric bike thing was just, like, so perfect, like, the how far more opposite can you be than a Tesla and still be green and that that's what he got. And it was just it was perfect for the characters. Yeah. It's like Gilfoyle's version of environmentalism. Yeah. It's like this shitty welded right. really, really good. Any thoughts on the Tesla versus electric bike, Phil? What I appreciate is that at the end of the day, when you when you talk about this pettiness, there's no real metric to really to be able to judge it against. <laughs> you look at Yang Jin, he gets a house. Versus this, it, it, it all all Dinesh can really grasp for is Richard like oh the but the back seat is it's really comfortable right <laughs> like that that's what has to validate this yeah and affirm it in some way shape or form that the war is not over yeah well I, this was great and I think another quintessential character subplot we got was Gavin and his signature box I thought they did a really good job of making what could have been sort of a one joke subplot into something a little more interesting. Um, Phil, what did you think of this subplot, this Gavin signature on the newest edition of the box? Well, I, I thought it worked well for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, there, there's a parody there to be made over how Apple's just constantly rolling out more and more stuff that is just so cosmetic and doesn't actually do anything better. So the box three, of course, is that ideal prototype. <laughs> the, the fact that we bring back the graphic artist was amazing. And then the, the, there's just so many little hints. Um, I forgot uh, Banksy, right? Banksy's yes, the yes. artist this week. But uh, the the callback to kind of how Chewie did the original Pied Piper logo and how he had to have his signature on it. So it's just so many little things there. And it is funny of like, wait, why would a signature have a signature? <laughs> yeah. My favorite part of that storyline is actually in reference to that. It's when... Gavin tells Hoover, I fired Banksy, and Hoover says, oh, the Vandal. Yeah. Which you're like, of course that's what he would think. You know, Of course everybody thinks of Banksy as this artist, but to Hoover, he's like, yeah, he's that, he's like the, that guy who defaces public property. Yeah. So uh, I thought it was a, it was a great uh, Hoover and uh, Gavin, uh, I thought, moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one moment, like this was an example of very efficient writing because every button out of these scenes with Gavin was really sharply written, like when this woman is assessing his handwriting and is like, <laughs> you know, you're just clearly someone who really, really has trouble taking no for an answer. He's like, get this woman the fuck out of my office. <laughs> it's just like we had all these perfect buttons. And yeah, I, I just think like this is an example of how to write a really efficient but still character forward subplot and make the joke really work. I thought this was great. I, I will say, I was talking with Nate before the show. I did find the fact that his signature would become a penis a little predictable. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that coming or not, but... 
Well, I didn't see it coming, but if you get the signature three box, you'll all see it coming. Thank you. I'm very <laughs> proud of that one. Uh, no, you know what? I don't know. I didn't really think about it that much. Thanks. Wow, he like caught me off guard. <laughs> That's what I do. It's a little drive by. Uh, I, you know what? I, I, maybe I'm just not as smart as you, but uh, I didn't see that coming. I actually. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't quite know where it was going. So I, really? I, I got a big laugh out of it. Yeah. I, I had other things. Is the part of the thing is they spent so much time on this, right? And at the end of the day, if you guys remember, it's just going in this tiny little space for <laughs> what was his name to like. He's the only employee that's ever going to see this server rack, right. and oh, the fact yeah. that they're spending so much time on the design of it. Which was that it, you have to kind of recall it, but that was the joke so long of like it's a box, it's gonna go nowhere. It's just yeah. a goddamn box. Right. It's not like an Xbox. It's a server box. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. So it's a box. It's a turtle. Think of yeah. it as a turtle. Go. It kind of felt like filler to me. Um, I do think it was written really well within the scenes that it didn't feel like there was much wasted time. Um, but then once we got more about the Hoover stuff, and, uh, and then I kind of understood why they, f- they 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 needed Gavin to be in this episode. Right. Instead of just getting that one scene of him and Hoover, they gave him this plot line so that it kind of helps the flow of the episode. So I think writing-wise, they did a great job. We maybe could have used one less cut to that plot. Yeah. I don't know uh, if we needed all of right, the, that's Yeah. yeah. It's a fair a fair point. Um, well, of course, the only thing we haven't talked about yet is one of the new arguable series regulars of the show, um, which is, of course, our friend Jin Yang. Yang, Yang Jin. Jin. Yang Jin. No, fair it's, enough. It's, Respect it's, the it's name. It's Jin Yang. Um, this is <laughs> Jin Yang's quest to continue to disparage Eric Bachman, um, Eric. And in this subplot, we see him trying to reclaim Ehrlich's assets. I thought this was very funny. Um, I don't know what you guys thought, but... Uh... Just the fact that he went through all that effort with like the shipping and the corrupt uncle in China and all this stuff to get a body, and then finally he's like, screw it, I'll just get a pig, and burns the pig, and then gets to court, and she's like, I don't want to see that. Get that down. I don't, I don't need to see that. Put it down. And he's like, no, he's. this is Eric. <laughs> It was great. Yeah. I liked when he, he just got so angry at Eric, even though he wasn't there, and he just kicked the you know the bucket of not his ashes. Right. I thought that like, he knows full well that that's not him, but it just represents him. And that's what I thought was the it's great dedication. moment, of kind of tying together the two storylines, which is Dinesh realizes, oh, I'm going to spend seventeen thousand dollars out of spite. So then Jin Yang's like, yeah, I want all this stuff out of spite. Right. I don't care if I'm going to have to spend money out of pocket to you know settle all of Bachman's debts mm-hmm. which it's too bad that we kind of know he's not going to come back because it would be kind of amazing if Jin Yang settled all of his debts and then Bachman came back never say never well yeah 14 seasons <laughs> it's true you know I, I don't see an emoji too emoji movie too so never <laughs> shots fired you heard um, it here first yeah <laughs> there will be a ready player too so I'm told <laughs> um, I saw the movie this weekend huh is he in that movie Oh, yeah, no. he's stay tuned for news and gossip. He's in, kidding. Okay, he's in Deadpool two, so there'll be a Deadpool three. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you mean X-Force. he's doing all right. It is interesting though. I do kind of. I'm sensing that the creators, of course, nine months ago, the implication was that it was this pretty smooth, mutually decided exit from the show. But we've been learning more and more. <laughs> it might not have been so much that way. And this kind of, to me, feels like the creators' fu to T.J. Miller. Like, they are really disparaging him in a way that I'm finding hilarious, but for our first representation of him to be this fat pig in the back of a trunk, I don't know if you guys are sensing that at all. Uh, To me, it would be no different than, like, the South Park guys, what they did with Chef right after, you know, he quit the show, and then they used this character and, like, killed him off. Right. In the most uh, ridiculous way. 
spoiler for South Park. Right. But nonetheless, it, to me, it, you know, and that was another example. But I could also see like, if Jeff, you and me were friends and, like, I had to leave the show, it'd be like, okay, just do what's best for the show. Right. So I could see, you know, I'm not saying that there isn't necessarily animosity. I'm not saying there is. But it's what's best for the show. No, but it's a good point because when there is animosity, like on Two and a Half Men, when they killed off Charlie Sheen, they did it in a terrible way for his character. (laughs) And it's fairly well documented that that didn't end well. And, yeah, I was thinking of of the chef thing. So, yeah, I think the fact that he is called fat several times every episode. And, yes, the fact that we have the bloated – that's the biggest, fattest pig you've ever seen. (laughs) I just have to say. You know – Okay, well, maybe... I think you're reaching. Because I think if you go back and watch the first two seasons, like, Eric has never been presented as, like, a likable guy. Yeah. They they constantly poke at how lazy he is, how irresponsible he is, how he screws things up, how he's fat, just sits around and smokes weed, and there's, like, fast food and all that stuff around him. They they clean it up a little bit later because the jokes kind of get old. Yeah. But it it makes, especially coming from Jin Yang, to me at least, it just makes, Jin Yang hates him. He hates him. I say we need to keep an eye on this throughout the rest of the season. If it just gets meaner and meaner and meaner, I think it has to prove Jeff's point. I could see it happening, though. It it is definitely, I can see the line of where it can go from, that made sense to, all right, now you're just trying to, well, the thing that's smart is you're right. It is working narratively because this is how Jin Yang would be treating Ehrlich. Right. They've always been rivals, but I will be anxious to see how they continue to handle Ehrlich um, because the fact that we're even still talking about him is interesting. Yeah. Um, let us know in the comments what you guys think. Um, if you think we're kind of reaching for Ehrlich's animosity between the show creators or if it feels consistent with the world of the show. Um, speaking of engaging with our network, guys, we have a bunch of amazing shows. And, of course, this is our Silicon Valley after show, but we're producing new content all the time. Um, we featured some amazing guests. Last week we had Emma Booth, who stars as Mother Gothel on Once Upon a Time. On her Instagram she said she had way too much fun on the show, so you should definitely check that out. Not possible. I know. Yeah, you can You can never have too much fun. You can never have more TV. fun than you can have on this show. Ask Lori Bream. Ask Lori Bream or Josh Brenner, and hopefully more guests to come. I've been in touch with some PR. So tweet at the whole cast and let them know to come on our show. But for other fans of after shows, we had an amazing we had 11 new shows drop last week. So we had Krypton, Billions, um, Barry, which is of course the show that's following Silicon Valley that you should definitely be watching. But we're always busy here at AfterBuzz TV, guys. And you can connect with us online, on Twitter. Of course, you can connect with us on Twitter. The fun thing about our network specifically compared to other review coverage networks is that the conversation is always going all the time. So connect with our network, connect with us, and we're here for you all the time. That being said, we have a new segment this week that I want to try. Um, We're calling this Silicon Valley in Real Life, where we're looking for some ridiculous examples of tech. I sent the guys a story about Jeff Bezos. In case you guys didn't know, Jeff Bezos recently spent $42 million to hollow out the mountain and build a giant clock. I sent this to you guys because doesn't this just feel like the Gavin Belsonist thing to do? I don't know. I mean, I, I did that when I was in my 20s, so <laughs> I, I, I just thought it was about time he got around to it. No, it definitely, that was actually what I thought when I saw that. It's a very Gavin thing where you're just like, you're waiting for the punchline. You're like, all right, all right, I can't wait to see what they do with this next season. But, uh, you know, he really wanted to hollow out a mountain and put a clock in there. That's definitely, you know, I don't begrudge anybody who's worked hard and made a lot of money. I mean, he used to lose a billion dollars a year. Good for him. But this is where you're like, okay, too much money. Right. Definitely too much money. You just do something else. 42 mil. 
I mean, that's a way to spend it. I yeah, I guess it is yeah. a way to spend it. <laughs> it's true. It's a, I mean, some people get nice watches. Some people get watches built in mountains. <laughs> I just, when I read this, I assumed it was the onion. And I was like, oh, no, wait. He really did hollow out a mountain and spent $42 million to build a giant clock. I mean, the question is, what else is in there? Because there's no way it's just a clock. Oh, you're so right. You can't hollow out an entire mountain for just a clock. There's got to be something else. In There's there. going to be something else. Secret Amazon bunker. <laughs> you watch too much. He knows Tomb something Raider, we don't Uncharted. Know. Yeah, I've been Jones type of. Yeah, show. I've been watching a lot of cult stuff. So, uh, well, I'm excited to see what happens with this clock. Um, and let us know what you guys think of this segment. If you see any ridiculous stories in tech, I think it's fun to look at because I think this show is always interested in trying to show us how far the world of tech is being pushed. Of course, in other current events, we have Phil Svitek, our newsmaster, with I am some current. news. He's anchoring the news desk. Let's yes. go over there. That's what I do, right, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, the news music. That's a remix right there. Yes. All right. So, uh, Vulture.com did a ranking of the pettiness involved in this latest episode. And I thought that was funny because, you know, they kind of start off with the whole idea that Pettiness is the, the theme of the show to begin with. Mm-hmm. Gavin being at the top of it, and in fact, he he wins top prize. He is the as they call him the Meryl Streep of these awards. <laughs> He's in the embodiment of vengeance, and it is his major pastime of narcissism with too much money on his hands. So therefore, he is the reigning king. Um, of course, Jin Yang comes in second, and. Uh, Petty Programmers comes in third. So um, They were very petty. A lot of pettiness in this episode, huh? Yeah. And I, I appreciate that, you know, I would actually give it to Dinesh because he was the inspiration for Jin Yang to do what he did. Without that little That's spark true. of uh, of whatever you want to call it, <laughs> none of this would have happened. Well, I also appreciated that when Gavin's talking about Banksy's signature on the signature, he goes off on, you know, what an egomaniac this guy is. The guy who wants to make sure that his signature is on the signature model. I thought that that was like a a meta, like selfishness within the selfishness. So I I appreciated that. Absolutely. What else we got, Phil? Well, so last week we talked a lot about Slice Line and, and all of that. There is actually a company, or was rather, a company called Ship with a Y that ceased to be as of Tuesday of last week. It used to charge consumers $5 to pick up and deliver pretty much anything. Um, and A bloated pig carcass? Would they have uh, shipped that somewhere for me? I'm asking for a friend. I believe so. Okay. See, now, here's their, here's their mistake. As their, um, so this is from Fortune.com, by the way. Their, their CEO, he, he went and kind of did this, this whole apology of, like, they did things wrong. They, they, they should have been B2B, which is business to business instead of consumer. And so, you know, I think they were shipping too many pigs, unfortunately. <laughs> you can never ship too many pigs. And uh, this, this kind of did seem like a very big dig at this company, but it, it was funny nonetheless because they were saying they were making fun of, like, the apology of, like, we didn't have enough runway to then switch gears and the, the article just essentially says that just means no investor would pay you more money. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, they, they spent lots of... In modern history of Silicon Valley startups, ship's demise isn't all that unusual. There's a fill-in-the-blank quality to it. Um, five-year story. It's a half-baked idea. Check. Gobs of money. $60 million from big-name investors. Check, check. Repeated pivots. Check. Yeah. <laughs> in the wrong business. So... <laughs> 
Um, anyway, so yeah, I, like I thought that was a, a, a good angle on it. Um, then there's a great article from New York Times that with it's with it's with Mike Judge and interviews him about many many things. And I'm just going to highlight it. You guys can check it out because there's just too much to be able to dissect. Uh, first and foremost, the thing that I thought was interesting was he said because of the ever evolving Silicon Valley in real life, the shows transformed in such a way that he conceivably can see Silicon Valley going on for 14 seasons. That's the end, though. No more than 14, right? Because 15 is too many. Yeah, exactly. He compared it to Dallas, and Dallas had 14. So, you know, maybe he wants to beat Dallas. Who knows? (laughs) I mean, if they ever wanted to focus on a different group or, you know, just have maybe the Pied Piper guys, maybe not in every episode, you know, sort of like maybe a little bit more in the background, I think you could definitely shift it to other companies and, you know... I think you got to gradually do that because otherwise people are like, well, why would I watch the show that doesn't have any of the people I like? Right. But I can see it, the model for it. Yeah, certainly going on. So like know. a pivot. You're going to have to do a pivot. It's a pivot. And they're going to pivot. have to change the way it's spelled. They're going to have to change the Y's in Silicon to, <laughs> to uh, well, the I's in Silicon to Y. So. Or just call it Silicon Valley-Fi. I think if you add the mm-hmm. F-Y, that's yeah. very common. No, I think that'll, that'll clearly do it, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, and then he talked about T.J. Miller, and he said, you know, if this was season one or two, it wouldn't have really worked. But this is the right timing for it. He wasn't really, uh, he didn't show any animosity towards that. Uh, and they actually, what he does say is, it actually freed them up in the writing process. So, good. And it's great for the actor who plays Jin Yang. You know, it He's is a lot of Jimmy O. Oh Yang. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, Phil, thanks for that news. Um, of course, T.J. Miller just had his another big cinematic debut in Ready Player One. I saw that movie and I thought it was okay, to be totally honest. I don't oh, know. you just crapped on all oh, the, our fans, bro. I did. Sorry, guys. If you disagree with me, let me know. I just, I don't know. I thought the movie was See fun. It when it comes on HBO. And, no, yeah. fair no, enough. You have to, this is, no, I've been telling you, this is a movie you don't just watch on an iPhone or an iPad or on your shitty mom's TV. I've got a great mom. My mom TV. has a nice TV. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. going to watch it on an Apple Watch. All right? I refuse to watch it any bigger than that. Um, well, Phil, thanks for that news. I appreciate it. Uh, very interesting. And what I'll do is I'll tweet links to all those articles that Phil just mentioned, and you can, uh, you can like them there. Cool. So, guys, we have one more segment, and that's, of course, the weekly predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Okay, let's go ahead and just go right down the panel. Phil Svitek, let's start with you. What do you anticipate for next episode and the rest of the season on Silicon Valley? You know, it's interesting. I'm so detached as far as, like, what happened in that episode and the preview that I saw. Yeah. It's hard to kind of create a connection of, wait, how how do the two correlate? Uh, In terms of what I want to see, I'm very curious. We ended on the cliffhanger of of Washburn, right? I believe that was his name. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very curious to see how that plays out first and foremost. And I'm hoping we we get... I want to see Monica more in there. We got a glimpse of her the first episode. I don't need Lori. I just need Monica back in, in the mix of like what's going on here. I'm sorry, I don't need either of them. Where the hell is Big Head? Enough already. Two episodes in. Um, what I want to see is these guys have enough money, obviously, that uh, Dinesh is buying a Tesla. They don't need to live in the incubator. They can go ahead and, you know, they can they can get a townhouse or something. They just, you know, got big grown-ups go get an apartment. But then I would miss Jin Yang. So, you know what? Scratch that. But I think that's what they should do. They should at least look and try to not live in the incubator anymore. Richard and Jared? Oh, my God. Please, Yes. <laughs> 
I would be worried if we closed the door on those two, what would happen, but... Jared would not be worried. <laughs> He's a professional. <laughs> he is. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to see... I think this Jin Yang plot is just going to be our season-long B-plot. That yeah. We're not really going to see a resolution until the end, but it's funny to watch it along the way. Um, but I'm excited to see what happens with the what, whatever the next issue is going to be, because presumably now they've got their employees and they're all committed to working. So like, now what's the problem? Because there's got to be a problem. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to see how that plays out. And I don't know. I mean, Gavin's just going to do Gavin things, right. but I'm hoping he will do you know hit me with a curveball. That's like a surprise. Oh, and the big head thing. I think he's gonna. I don't think we're gonna see him for a while. And I think when he does come, it's going to be like a do sex. Machina Twin Towers moment where it's like, oh, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's Big Head. He's got the solution to our problem. Yeah, Yeah, because we forgot all about him. That's the one nice thing about I want to see more Big Head too, but if they are withholding him, hopefully it's for like a Rolls Royce type of reason, you know? Um, Yeah, I agree with all of you guys. It can be sometimes hard to predict what's going to happen with the show with specifics because I feel like the show sort of does whatever it wants. But, I mean, again, the engine of this show is the guys failing in newly spectacular ways. So the thing that's exciting is the more they grow, the bigger their potential fall will be. But I do hope they fail in ways that feel new to us um, because we've seen four seasons of them failing in ways that I think are sometimes can feel a bit recycled. So... Um, let us know what you guys think in the comments in terms of predictions, if there's anything there we're missing, any other characters, um, Russ Henneman maybe, I'd like to see him back, but let us know. Yes, any, any of them. Let us know who your, like, B-team characters are that you'd like to see come back in the comments below. Here's one, here's one. Yeah, I'm ready. Because, because you were worried that Jin Yang, listen, he owns 10% of Pied Piper. I've heard. He can show up to work anytime he wants. Oh, you're right. That's a great point. We can always see him again, yeah. I want to see Jin Yang and Lori in the same room. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We've, have we seen that? Yeah, yeah, remember because he the, picks to the smoking yeah. gun. Oh, of course. Yeah. But as a as <laughs> oh, yeah. a, a part owner of the company, she can't just ignore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I own 10%. <laughs> well, guys, this has been your coverage of Silicon Valley Season 5, Episode 2, to reorientation. My name is Jeff, guys. If you want to connect with me online, uh, you can do that at Jeffrey C. Graham. We have a fan segment of the week, a fan shout-out of the week, and we'd love to start getting you Silicon Valley fans the love that you deserve. So tweet at us. Let us know what you think of our coverage. Let us know what you think of our new segments. And, um, yeah, find us on Twitter. Again, you can find me at Jeffrey C. Graham. How about the rest of you guys? Guys, you can find me on all social media at DogLikeNate. I also host uh, a few other after shows here at AfterBuzz, so make sure you check those out. Uh, I'm at Christian DMZ, and tonight, very sa- shamelessly, I'll promote uh, 7 p.m. Marvel Movie News. But 9 o'clock is uh, a very special show. We're looking at the Jesus Christ Superstar Ooh. that was on Ooh. Easter on NBC. Uh, my friend Drexel Hurd will be on the panel, so check that out at 9 Pacific. And if you like me and Christian, we do South Park Weekly here on After Buzz <laughs> TV. I'm at Phil Svitek, and of course, I feel like Mary Magdalene. This has been a wonderful resurrection <laughs> having Jeff back on the panel. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, it has been fun, and we'll see you next week at 4 p.m. here at AfterBuzz TV. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later.
The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.